It's a crystal ball. It knows the future. Come on. Um, <laughs> you could be doing crystal math okay. for all I know, because you suck at this, all right? Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I am your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, the heart and soul of the Kansas City chapter of the BTS fan club, BTS Babies, as they're known, my brother Mike. I'm not entirely sure what BTS is. Is that yes, the you K- are. Is that the K-pop yes, you stuff? Are. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what it is, he hey, says. Nothing I Wink. dig. More than adolescent <laughs> young men dancing around and having groovy tunes and uh they are especially if they're korean is there like 20 of them in the band is that a band i don't know exactly yeah i, I mean what like do we call a band like well group it's a group over if there's over six of them i don't even know if they count as a band anymore you know what is that then i uh and on i don't cult? know what do you like a, an, a whole orchestra <laughs> i don't know like what do you call it well they're not playing instruments man say, <laughs> skinner was pushing the line on that too man there was like 20 of them they're just there they're just like dancing around you know and what? singing. They're not playing instruments. I'm pretty it's not sure, like it's like, you know. I'm pretty sure there were 30 members of the Wu-Tang Clan. So maybe maybe <laughs> if it's over six, you're, you're no longer a, a band. You're a clan. You're, like the you're Wu-Tang Clan? Okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. They might be a cult because their fans are insane. Uh, heard, yeah. And so I'm, I'm hoping I got attacked once by him online. I'm hoping this doesn't spark their ire. We love you, BTS fans. Please don't come after us on, on the internet. Um, anyway, on this week's episode, we'll discuss the Royals final full week of Cactus League play. Some surprising roster moves that took place this week. Uh, our season predictions. We're doing that again. That's going to be, <laughs> or it was for me last year. Anyway. I did pretty good. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and we'll also discuss the opening series and preview the opening series uh, against the Minnesota Twins. Because, hey, opening day, like four days away. Yes. Sunday, March 26th. We got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it's opening day, baby. Uh, very excited. But first, Royals Weekly is brought to you by All In Physical Therapy. For one-on-one physical therapy, personalized physical therapy, we choose All In Physical Therapy. Why? Because they took excellent care of our mother after her surgery. She went to All In Physical Therapy after her uh, surgery left her with some pain and limited mobility in her arm. She was worried because she loves to work out and be active. Yeah, this woman never skips a leg day. She is always working, just crossfitting left and right. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> she wanted to be able to do all that active stuff again, and and she, but she was worried she wouldn't be able to. The excellent specialized care that she got from All in Physical Therapy had her back to working out every single morning in no time. Yeah, she's ripping phone books apart with her bare hands, mm-hmm. right? I'm mm-hmm. telling you, it's, this woman It's wild is, to see. Yeah. It's wild to see. Uh, if you're an athlete who sustained a sports injury, the team at all in physical therapy can get you right. It's run by trained professionals and athletes who know how difficult it is to be in the rehab process. That's a tough thing to do, but give them a call. All in physical therapy is owned and operated by Lee Summit's own Tommy Freevert. He's a former arena league football player, Northwest Missouri state Bearcat whoop, whoop, and a hell of a guy. They have offices in both Blue Springs and Lee Summit. But even if you're outside that area, it's worth the trip just to work with Tommy. He is such a great dude. We trust the team at All in Physical Therapy, and so should you. Tell your doctor you want to do your physical therapy with the best of the best at All in Physical Therapy. To learn more, call 
at 816-427-5300. That's 816-427-5300. Or visit their website at allin-pt.com. That's A-L-L-I-N-P-T.com. We'll start this week's review with roster news like we normally would because there's actually been quite a bit of it this week. Uh, The first bit of roster news is pretty uh, disappointing. Mike, Daniel Lynch was hurt this week. He left a game. When was that game? Like Friday, maybe Uh, Thursday, later in the week. He left a game uh, with a, a shoulder injury. It came out later that it was a left shoulder strain which is not as bad as I guess it could have been, obviously. Uh, he's going to be rested for seven to ten days, uh, be shut down. He'll uh, They anticipate that he'll miss around a month as they sort of shut him down and then get him built back up again and all that sort of stuff. Mike, what are your thoughts on seeing Daniel Lynch go down this week in uh, the Cactus League? Well, it's always scary because we've seen it ha- this stuff happen so much. Your mind always goes to the worst kind of places of, oh, no, I hope he doesn't have to have Tommy John. I hope it's not something that lingers for a long period of time. You never want to hear anything about a shoulder because shoulders can be very difficult to recover from. But shoulder strain sounds like it's not, you know, the worst thing in the world. Um, we, you and I didn't think he was going to make the opening day roster out of out of spring training to begin with. We thought he'd probably start in AAA. So it looks like that's probably going to be the 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 case, or maybe they do exp- extended spring training for him. And uh, he gets the opportunity to build back up right now. It's the most important thing is to rest him and make sure that he's healthy. The next time he throws for real, because you can't turn this into like, it's a very important season for Daniel Lynch. And this can't be something that lingers or nags for the rest of the year because he needs to prove something. He needs to take a step forward in either his stuff or his command or both something that shows he's going to be a viable option in the starting rotation in the second half or moving forward. So this can't be something that, that, that lingers for a long time. Yeah. As a team, it really weakens their depth in the starting rotation. I know we didn't anticipate, and I don't think that he really earned that fifth starter spot. I think Chris Bubich is a better fit for that even right now. Um, or even before Daniel Lynch got hurt, we thought that, but you do want some level of depth in that pitching staff. And Daniel Lynch definitely represents more depth. And right now it's looking so bare. Like people are talking about how are they going to fill out five rotation spots with guys who are stretched out long enough to be starters. And that's an interesting question. I mean, Bubich, I think is enough to go you five innings in his start. Singer is enough to go you maybe four in his first start because he didn't get any work in the WBC. And so it's going to be a question their bullpen is going to be leaned on fairly heavily, especially those multi-inning guys early in the year, it looks like. So expect Hernandez to go two or three innings in some game early in the year. Expect guys like I would expect Barlow to go a couple or two two or three innings in a in an outing. I would expect, you know, whoever can go multiple innings for the bullpen probably will get a chance to. And you may see somebody like, you know, I don't want to say John Heasley because he pitched so poorly in spring training, but you may see someone you wouldn't necessarily expect like Mike Myers, for example, you may see Mike Myers make some an appearance at the major league level sometime early in April or May. Yeah. Yeah. Because they might need the, the innings. The, and the so. depth wasn't great before Lynch got hurt. And so now it's really not very good in the starting rotation. In other roster moves, the Royals did something else we did not expect, though. It's not a shock. It's just something I wouldn't necessarily do if I were them and something that 
I kind of wish they hadn't done. The Royals optioned Freddie Fermin to AAA. Uh, it's a little surprising. Mike, what do you think of the decision to option Fermin, which essentially makes MJ Melendez their backup catcher, their number two catcher? Well, yeah, I was going to state that very obvious thing is that it means Melendez is going to be catching more than we thought he would. And I'm not sure that's a good thing for the team. Uh, and I also don't know, like it may, it may end up meaning that, hey, we don't want to catch Melendez a bunch. So Salvador Perez is going to get the workload that he's had in the past, which was a lot. And so I just don't know exactly how that's going to fit. It also means that um, Olivares may end up playing the field more than what we expected him to. So your defense takes a hit here overall, whether it's at the catcher position or at the outfield position, your defense probably takes a hit here. So, you know, I, I understand why the Royals like to do it. It's an extra roster spot for you which is cool that you can use on a guy like maybe Nate Eaton or um, gosh, I don't even know who else. Uh, oh, I guess Matt Duffy, the, JBJ. Matt Duffy, yeah. yeah. I guess that that's probably where they're thinking. Cause it does look like uh, that JBJ is going to make it. And so, yeah, I don't know. It's a Beatty or a Duffy or something. Somebody gets on this roster now because for me, isn't so. Yeah. This makes very little sense to me because you're, you have a less than stellar pitching staff. And you need to do whatever you can to make sure that they're good, including the young starters who you want to develop. And yet you're going out there and giving a quarter, probably, of your catching days to MJ Melendez, a guy who struggles to literally catch the ball and was one of the worst blocker of balls in the league, one of the worst framers, of, the worst framer of pitches in the league. I don't understand that decision, honestly. Today it was announced that Cleveland would carry three catchers. One of them is Cam Gallagher, and the another one is Mabry's Valoria. Both of them played for the Royals, right? And <laughs> Cleveland is finding a way to carry three catchers. We can't find a way to carry three, we... three catchers. One of whom is going to play 90% of his games in the outfield, right? Like, or 80% of his games in the outfield, or 85 or 75. I, I, don't, I don't understand how Freddie Fermin can't have a spot on this roster for defense alone. Did he swing the bat well in spring training? Absolutely, he did. But he is a much better defender then MJ Melendez can do a lot more for this pitching staff. I just don't get the notion of sending him down. Now, honestly, he, I, Fermin's going to play in the major leagues this year. The question is how, how much, and it wouldn't surprise me if they watch MJ Melendez catch for like a month and they're like, you know what, Freddie, why don't you come up here and you just hang out on this roster for a while. And they end up carrying three catchers because in my eyes, the defense hasn't really gotten any better for MJ Melendez. So. And some of that may change when Drew Waters gets healthy as well. If you feel like you don't need Jackie Bradley Jr. or you don't need Matt or you don't need Beatty or whoever they end up keeping, Matt Duffy, whatever. If you feel like, okay, we don't need him now. We now have a more versatile bat in Drew Waters, switch hitting kind of guy who can play center or right. Then you may say, okay, now Freddie Fermin can come up because we don't need that bench spot anymore. Uh, in pitching roster news, three pitchers were optioned to AAA, at least one of whom is a big surprise and another one of whom is a small surprise. Richard Lovelady, Josh Taylor, and Josh Stamont were optioned to AAA on Saturday. Mike, Stamont was a big surprise to everyone. I don't know anyone who did a roster projection who had him not making the roster. Uh, what are your thoughts on those three guys being uh, optioned to AAA? Well, Josh Taylor is not really a surprise. Richard Lovelady, I'm sad for Richard Lovelady. He, this guy could not get a shot with the last regime, and I mean, he'll be up in the majors this year, but it would have been nice to give Richard Lovelady an opening day spot on the roster because, one, he earned it in spring training, for sure. He was fantastic in spring training, their best pitcher overall completely. But, yeah, and it's a little surprising for Stalmont. Like, they, they came out and said, you know, oh, he needs to throw more strikes or 
you know, he needs to get fully healthy because he was injured for part of last year. Well, the, the pitcher that Josh Stamont was in spring training is the pitcher that Josh Stamont has been with the Royals pretty much. Like he's always been a guy that's probably walked too many guys, but maybe this group isn't going to be okay with that. Yeah, I, in my mind, at least they're being somewhat consistent there. I mean, but but Drew Coleman made it. Do you mean <laughs> Dylan gonna Coleman? Make it. Well, I mean, oh, sorry, Dylan Coleman. Yeah, <laughs> that's not that's not a huge uh, logical leap there to say like, yeah, we care that you're throwing strikes, but if you are exceptional in some other way, like Dylan Coleman is, then we'll make a little bit of leeway for you. I mean, it's it's an admission that Josh Stamont, while he is a good pitcher, does not have the stuff of Dylan Coleman. Okay, he doesn't, and that's just. You know, at this point, and it makes me think that there is probably something in his pitch data that scares them a little bit beyond just the just walking. There's something in the inconsistency of his pitch data that scares them. We see him have his velocity fluctuate a lot from outing to outing. That probably scares them. I imagine there's something else in there that scares them about his pitch data and its consistency, and they want him to go down and maybe get stronger, maybe get more consistent. And definitely throw strikes more. So while I was surprised by the Stamont decision, I don't know that it doesn't make any sense like some moves that the Royals may have made in the past. It makes sense based on the logics that they've put out there uh, up to this point and the rationales and the things that they really care about. Yeah, the, the other thing to consider is Stamont has had difficulty going back-to-back days. And especially early in the year when your starting rotation is not going to be good and you're, you're planning on leaning on your bullpen, you may not be able to carry guys that can't go back-to-back days. Yeah, and this this opening to the season isn't like other openings. There aren't a ton of open days early in the schedule. Like you know, in the in years past, we've had where it's like, oh man, in the first three weeks they have five off days or something like that. And it's like, no, not this year. This year, the, the Twin Series starts on opening day. They get a day off after that in case of a rainout, and then they're playing. Like there's there's not many off days for the next couple of weeks, and so that that could be the case as well. They don't want to carry a guy like Stamat, who they know really is not great going back to back days. Uh, that's all for roster news, but I would like to talk about this last full week of Cactus League play. Mike, we got to see some of the regulars come back. We got to see things get a little bit back to normal, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> uh, what did you think of the last full week of Cactus League play from the Royals? I thought it was pretty encouraging, honestly. I thought they played pretty well this week overall. Um, Melendez came back and hit a couple home runs. Salvador Perez came back and hit the ball well. Bobby Witt Jr. had a home run and a single yesterday. We were running a lot yesterday. Um, you know, it was, it was good to see Granky had a solid start against the Dodgers lineup that wasn't chock full of major leaguers, but there were some in there. Um, yeah. So overall I was very happy with what they did other than the Lynch injury, which is not great. And still, you know, honestly, the book, the, the starting rotation isn't as solidified as I would have wanted it to be. I would have wanted Bubich to go out there and say, this spot is mine or Lynch to go out and say, this spot is mine. And I, I don't think anybody did that for that fifth spot. So that's a little worrisome still. But overall, I was pretty happy with the last week. Yeah, it was great to see a lot of guys get back and look like they're kind of ready. I was worried that Bobby Wood Jr. would like not look great in these last few games, but he looks like he's jumping right back into it. He had a great game yesterday. It's really the game yesterday that, that did encourage me. They played the Dodgers. They faced a, they faced Dustin May, who's a very good pitcher and will be in their rotation. You know, and they did well. They got good swings against Dustin May. They put up four, I think, four runs against him including that three run home run from Bobby and then a couple of doubles back to back from Matt Duffy and uh, uh, Framil Reyes. And so, you know, it was good to see them get out and just play well against a really good team. And, you know, that's something that I think is really going to matter. It's good to see that their defense was pretty good uh, over the last couple week of the season or so. Um, And so, yeah, I, I was very happy with this last week of Cactus League play. 
we're building tradition here at Royals Weekly. We're building a culture. A tra- I love the I love the sports cliche. We're building a culture <laughs> here. This is a tradition, not a culture. Uh, we're building tradition here at Royals Weekly. So just like we did before the start of last season, we're going to focus this week's spotlight segment on a few predictions. God, I hate these. <laughs> I'm so bad at them. I don't like yeah. them. Uh, you may remember last year's predictions went pretty well for Mike and horribly for me. I am the greatest of all time. Uh, so this year, <laughs> it's going to be a different. This year, it's going to be a different story. I've polished my crystal ball. I'm ready to use it for stupid things like predicting the outcome of sports. Why wouldn't I predict the outcome of like? the stock market and make a gajillion dollars uh, or whatever. Or lose all your money. It's a crystal ball. It knows the future. Come on. Um, <laughs> you could be doing crystal meth okay. for all I know because you suck at this. All right. Uh, anyway, I'm using it to predict the outcome of sports. If you're unfamiliar, we like to do our predictions for the most part in an over under format. Uh, that means it gives us a 50, 50 chance of being right, uh, which obviously isn't enough of an advantage for me most of the time, but we'll, we'll see this year. Uh, let's start with a difficult one, Mike. This I wanted to start. I like to start us off really tough. Give us over under 23 home runs for Fran Mill Reyes with the Royals. Yeah, and that's that was one of the things that, that kind of got me to the under. I, I'm betting on two things here. One, that he may not be with the Royals the whole year if he plays well and they figure they can get some value for him. And two, I'm betting against that physique. All right, so there's a chance that when you're that body type, you could get hurt playing the field, doing whatever. I think he's going to be productive with the Royals. I do think he's taking better at bats. I think he's swinging at better pitches now. Uh, but I, I'm still taking the under on Fran Reyes' 23 home runs. I also think he may get platooned a lot more. So I don't know how much playing time he's going to get consistently. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going under on the 23 home runs for Fran Reyes. I'm taking the over. Uh, typically it's my optimism that gets me on these predictions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking the over because Fran Mil Reyes, I think they're going to see him as like, no, he is an essential bat in this lineup. And so they're going to find ways to get him into the lineup, be it DH. I think they're going to play him in the field more than we would think. Sounds crazy, but I think they're going to do it. They played him a lot in spring training in the field. And so I think he gets over 23 home runs. I think they don't trade him because... One, I think they'll be able to convince themselves that they'll be in contention next year, and he still has a bunch of years of control left. So they don't have to trade him right now. You know, they can wait till next year or the year after that or whatever. Uh, they don't have to wait till the end of the, or to, in the middle of this year to trade him. Now, they might also be really pragmatic and be like, hey, he's got high value right now. We're trading him. So in which case, I will lose. If he, this, 20, this if he hits 23 home runs with the Royals, his value will be so high they won't not be able to trade him. No, they'll be able to. They'll be able to keep him. Uh, well, he won't hit 23 home runs before the trade deadline. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, f- I figure he's got you know 15 home runs before the trade deadline, and then he coasts to, to 23. Uh, the numbers are on him are very up and down, right? So like he's had a couple 30 plus home run seasons. He's had a couple last year. I think he hit 16 or something like that, and so. We'll see on Fran Mil Reyes. I'm, I'm very hopeful that he's productive for the Royals. And if it gets to trade deadline time and they get like an offer that's like, hey, we'll give you serious prospect capital. I'm willing to lose this prediction to get a really good return in prospect capital for Fran Mil Reyes deadline. But we'll see. Prediction number two, over under a 320 OBP for Bobby Witt Jr. That's on base percentage, a 320 on base percentage for Bobby Witt Jr. Well, if you remember right, I think last year he was like right at 299 or right at 300. 294 um, so maybe? Something, something just under 300. 
Okay, well, I didn't realize it was that low. But I'm still going over. I'm going over for Bobby Baseball. This is my optimism pick. I like the at-bats he's taken in uh, spring training. Um, even yesterday at the Dodgers game, he, he laid off a, uh, the first pitch to, that were those down and away that he loved swinging at last year. So I like the uh, – I, I think there's going to be a, an approved approach, and so I think we're going to see more walks, and I think he's going to hit well as well. So I'm going over that 320 for OBP, which will be a good year for Bobby. Oh yeah, I'm going over as well because if the three, if the OBP is over 320, you know the OPS is near or above, just above 800 at least. And so, you know, uh, I, I'm optimistic about Bobby Wood Jr. I too have really liked what I've seen from him. Limited because he didn't play that much for the Royals in spring or for the Team America, uh, but uh, I still think he's going over. I like the approach improvements. I think he's going to have learned a lot from the last season about how pitchers are going to try and get him out. And from there, you're going to see a batting average that goes up quite a bit. I think the walk rate will go up a little, but I think the batting average will also go up significantly. He loves to swing if the ball is in the zone. I think what he's going to force pitchers to do is come into the zone more and he'll just be swinging and put them in play. So I think you're going to see more balls in play from him this year, Uh, a little bit less swing and miss because he's going to be laying off some pitches that he maybe would swing out last year. And so, yeah, OBP over 320 in my mind for Bobby Wood Jr. Next up, an over-under for MJ Melendez, over-under 110 weighted runs created plus. If you don't know what weighted runs created plus is, it's a stat that just measures your overall offensive value. And so if it's 110, then you're 10% above league average because 100 is average. So are we saying that MJ Melendez is going to be above or below a 110 weighted runs created plus? Mike? I got him at, at under. I think he's going to be more around that that league average, that 100 uh, weighted runs created plus. I do see a situation where he could hit between 20 and 25 home runs and still be under 110 for a weighted runs created plus. I think that's quite possible for him just because I worry about his stri- the strikeout numbers being high again. So that's kind of my worry with him. Love it if he proves me wrong, obviously, but I think he's going to be more around that 100 range. So I'm going under. Yeah, I'm worried about that swing and miss too from him. I watched him against Dustin May yesterday and May understood, hey, this guy's swing does not play well at the top of the zone. I'm going to throw him fastballs up. I'm going to throw him sliders up and I'm going to get him to swing underneath him. And that's what he did. And so I think it's going to be tough for MJ Melendez to really have a batting average high enough to drive his weighted runs created plus up that high. He'll still get his power numbers to some degree. I think he'll hit around 20 home runs, but I think he's going to struggle with on base. Well, I think the walk numbers will still be there too. I think he's going to really struggle with his, um, you know, batting average. And so I think it's going to be tough for him to get above 110. I'm also going under for the weighted runs created. Plus, I still think he'll be above 100, though. If somebody said, hey, you have to pick a number, I'm going to say from, you know, 108 or something like that. That's a random guess. But anyway, we're going to do the same thing for Michael Massey. Mike, over under a 100 weighted runs created plus for Michael Massey this year. So you're saying, will, for those of you that don't know, will he be average offensively, Michael Massey? I'm going to go slightly under here, but I think it's just going to be a little bit under. Uh, I do think there there will be an adjustment period. He doesn't have a ton of at-bats in Major League Baseball, so I don't expect him to be an average hitter his first full year of Major League Baseball. Um, I'm hoping to see some better stuff, a better approach, yes, but anywhere between 90, anywhere between above 90 for me is a win for him. Yeah, Massey's going to be a dude who has those hot stretches, that where he's just seeing the ball. Great. He's getting his bat to every ball, that sort of thing. Balls are falling for him, all that sort of stuff, but he doesn't have a better approach than he did last year. Uh, I've watched it all spring. 
He still swings at a lot of stuff in the shadow of the strike zone. He still swings too much at balls outside the, the strike zone. And so because that approach isn't really any better, I'm also going under. I think he'll be under a 100 weighted runs created plus. I, I agree with you. I think he'll be in that 90 to 100 range, uh, which will kind of, you know, be valuable enough, you know, but it'll always be a question mark. Like he'll always have to look over his shoulder until his approach gets better, right? That somebody else is going to take his job because if you're Michael Massey, you're not a great enough defender to really justify not being an above average hitter. And so if he wants to stick on this team for sure and be guaranteed a starting spot, he needs to refine that approach and get that weighted runs created plus above average up into the 110, 115, 120 range. Uh, so we'll see on that. Hopefully he can refine that approach and be a slightly better. Uh, my boy Kyle Isbell up next. Uh, we're going to go over under with him. An over under 720 OPS for Kyle Isbell. That's on base plus slugging. Uh, here, uh, 800 is really good for an on-blaze plus slugging. Right now, 720 is around league average for an OPS. Mike, where do you see Kyle Isbell coming in, over or under 720? I got him under as well. Um, I don't think, I think he's kind of one that, I, I don't know that I've seen enough of a change in that, that says you can't just get him out with breaking stuff to the inside down and in or hard stuff just in. I just don't know that he's got enough of an adjustment in his swing to compensate for that then you might think okay well maybe there's an opportunity that he's going to be better because they'll be platooning more and he'll get better opportunities against guys he's better against I just don't see it I don't see him going over a 720 I would love it if he was at 720 but I don't even see that necessarily so I'm going under for Kyle Isbell I'm taking the over He's your boy. You have I'm to take in the over. <laughs> uh, I think it'll just be slightly over because you're right. I mean, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know, he's not going to like overnight. I'm the best hitter in baseball or anything. Um, but from what I've seen this spring, the approach is better. And that's hugely important, right? The approach is better. He's taken more walks. He's and that's going to help striking out probably roughly the same amount. I'd say he's going to strike out in the low 20s, low to mid 20s, probably. But you walk more if you're Kyle Isbell. That's great. And then you just handle those inside fastballs a little bit better. And you, I think you're good to go. I think you're going to be fine. Uh, I think playing frequently, I think being a regular and everyday starter is going to do wonders for his confidence is going to do wonders. Like you could see last three quarters of last season, just pressing all the time, trying to prove he deserved to play more, not a good thing. And so this year, I think it's just a lot freer and easier for him. I think he's going to do, and he's going to hit, you know, eight, eight or ninth all the time. No pressure on Kyle Isbell. Just go out, play great defense in center field, and that'll help him be more productive offensively. Now it's the golden boy. We're moving into the pitchers now, and so we'll start with the, who is maybe the ace of the staff. It's hard to tell at this point. Mike, uh, over under 350 ERA. That's 3.50 ERA for Brady Singer. This is my other optimism pick right here. I'm going under. I think he can get under... 350, build on what he did last year. It was good to see the last start that he had. I thought he pitched pretty well in that. Tightened up the location on the slider, although it wasn't it wasn't perfect still, but he was getting a lot of a lot of that no swing strikes on that two seam fastball, which was the thing that really brought him into prominence last year was his ability to throw the two seamer, you know, on the outside, bring it back in, inside, bring it back to the plate. Just but he did that nonstop and he was able to do that again the other day. If he can, again, we really thought the key would be him throwing the change up more. And in some ways it was, but right now he's still not throwing the change up much. So that's a little scary. 
but I think he's going to get under three, five and hopefully prove that he's a, now a stalwart in the rotation. I think he'll prove he's a stalwart in the rotation. I think he'll be a good this year. I don't think he'll be under three, five. I think a little bit of regression to the mean will happen and he'll be like a three, seven, five or something like that. Something that's very good. Something that will be very valuable for the Royals, but not quite under three, five, which is where you're starting to talk about number one type, you know, pitcher type stuff. I think he's just below that, which is great. He's still a great pitcher. I think he's going to give him a lot of valuable innings. So give me a Brady singer at three, seven, five, and I'll be extremely happy with what he's done. So yeah, I think he'll be more in that area just because of a little bit of regression to the mean. He starts throwing that change up more. It starts being more effective. Then who knows who he might be really, really good, but uh, I'm, I'm going to wait and see on, on that. And for now I'll say he's going to go over three, five, Oh, Another starting pitcher or somebody who looks poised to be in the rotation, Chris Bubich. Mike, over under 20 starts this year for Chris Bubich at the major league level. I'm going to go under 20 starts, but just because of the volatility of pitching. It's not a knock against Chris Bubich. I think Bubich has made some steps forward with his command and obviously with the, the slider. But I just don't think there's so many things that could happen to make him not start for a stretch ineffectiveness, injury, maybe somebody else is pitching really, really well. So no, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, maybe, you know, how many times do you guys get shut down at the end of, of seasons because of some small thing if you're not in contention? So I'm, I'm going to go under just because of the circumstances of baseball more than anything else. I'm going over. <laughs> you pick over for every one of these things. <laughs> I know. Why am I so crazy? Anyway, Chris Bubich, I think he looks better. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people with what he does in major in you know the regular season this year. That slider helps a ton. I think his commands look better. His fastball looks a lot better. And so getting a chance to sort of go out and let that fastball play, I think they're going to be really quick with him. I think it's going to be five innings and you're out, Chris Bubich kind of stuff. They're not going to let him go like three, four times through the order. And so that'll help him a lot. I think the usage for him will just be better. I think he's going to end up with over 20 starts. Plus, who else they got in the rotation? I mean, what else are they going to do there? It's like Lynch, <laughs> maybe when he comes back, it's in a month. Who knows what happens between now and then? Is it going to be John Heasley? I don't think so. Is it going to be, you know... Zerpa's down already. You know, Mike Alec Myers, Marsh doesn't look ready. Uh, Jonathan Boland doesn't look ready. Like they Drew don't Parrish, have a ton of options. Does he make a Maybe start Drew Parrish, or two? Maybe I would not surprise me if he does. Um, and so we'll see, you know. Um, but I think he's gonna make over 20 starts this year. You're my guy, Chris Bubich. Get it done. Here's the thing that I think is something interesting to watch because Zach Granke has notably went out and sort of refined some of his stuff, went to driveline this offseason and is getting more strikeouts this spring. Mike, do we think that those strikeouts carry over? Into the regular season, are we going to go over or under five strikeouts per nine inning from Zach Greinke? I'm going over because last year is like the only year in his career when he hasn't been over that. I went and looked. That's right. And so I think we get some regression here. He goes back up over five strikeouts per nine like he had for pretty much his entire career. Yeah, I'm going to go over too just because, man, he's showing swing and miss stuff this spring. And you know, nobody's smarter about pitching than Zach Greinke. I think he's going to, you know, get a lot of, uh, I think he's going to be quick hooked a lot too. It's going to be five innings for Greinke. And I think he knows that. I think he's going to go out and just give what he can for that five innings and not save a lot of it and, and just toy with hitters a lot this year. Just a lot of swing and miss for Zach Greinke this year, I think. 
Yeah, and if you did an over-under for, like, number of home runs given up, I'd probably go over on that, too. Like, I think he'll give up a long ball or two. Oh, he's going to sure. give up some home but, runs. Uh, but he, I think he's also going to get some strikeouts. So, yeah. he'll be valuable. Yeah. Maybe between 4 and 4-5 four, ERA, and that's valuable. He was under 4 last year, so... I'm going to, this is the, the next one is our only one that's not going to take an over under sort of format. And that's about Scott Barlow. Is Scott Barlow a Kansas city Royal in August, Mike? I put no, because he's got, he's what got, what is this his last year? I think this is his last year. I think year. he's got, I think he's got one more year. Does after he have this, one more? I could okay. be wrong. Yeah. yeah. If he's got one more, that makes him even more of a valuable trade piece. But yeah, I, he's, he's just going to be too valuable on the open market. I don't think the Royals are going to really be in contention. And so there are going to be teams out there looking to add him. And I think this front office will probably do the smarter thing and start trading some of those bullpen arms because you can find bullpen arms. And so, yeah, I, I, I don't think he's going to be a Royal in August. Okay. I put yes, just because again, I think they'll convince because of tradition, tradition. <laughs> mostly. I think, I think they're going to convince themselves that they can compete in 2024 and that it'll be worth it to have guys like Scott Baller around. I also think, the market for a guy like Barlow won't be as high because he doesn't throw as hard. And so I think teams will look at him a little bit like with a, a little bit of skepticism and be like, well, are his numbers great because of Kaufman? Are his numbers great? You know what? Are we going to get this guy and his arms going to go down sometime soon? Cause he's lost a lot of velocity over the last couple of years. You know, I think they're going to ask some questions and not necessarily look at Barlow as one of those elite relieving options, in which case the return won't be what maybe they had hoped. And so we'll see on that one. I think he's going to be a Royal in August, though. The next one is about the pitching staff as a whole, and then we're going to move into some team-wide uh, predictions. Mike, do you think over under, we've talked a lot about uh, strikeout to walk ratio and how important of a stat it is for this for this pitching staff. Three is a really good uh, strikeout to walk ratio. It would put you in the top 12 of Major League Baseball last year. Do you think the Royals will be over or under three in strikeout to walk ratio this year for, as a pitching staff? I think they're going to be under, but I do think it's just going to be under. I think it's barely under three, which is a big step forward for the, this Royals pitching staff. So I think there is going to be progress made, but I still don't think we get to that three threshold. I'm going over. <laughs> you are the eternal optimist, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going over. Yeah, why not, man? Look look, look at their numbers for in spring training, the guys who are actually going to make the roster. Look at their numbers. And this coaching staff, if you're walking people, you're just not going to – they've sent the message with Stamont, right? Like if you're, not, if you're walking people, you're doing it in AAA, right? And that's what's really driving or killing their K to walk ratio is going to be walks. And so if they're saying we're not, we're not playing guys who are walking, it's clearly important to their coaching staff to be high up in this, in this number. And so I think they're going to get above three. I think it might just be barely, I think it'll just be barely, but I think they're going to get above three and it's mostly going to be because the coaching staff will not pitch guys who are walking people. Yeah. They're not going to put Dylan Coleman in there at all. Well, what? you know what? You yeah. know why they'll put you know why they'll put Dylan Coleman in there because he's going to strike out twelve per nine inning, and so yeah, you can <laughs> do it if you're Dylan Coleman. If you're Dylan Coleman, you can do it. Anyway, team wide, some team wide stuff offensively. Mike over under fifteenth in Major League Baseball in runs scored per game. To be clear, this means we they are will they be better than fifteenth over or under? Uh, I've been saying this for a while. I think they're going to be a top. 15 team in baseball and run scored. So I'm going over. 
I'm going over too. I think the lineup is too deep for them not to be. When you talk about guys like Bobby Wood Jr., MJ Melendez, Vinny Pascantino, Fran Mil Reyes, you know, uh, Edward Olivares against lefties kills, you know, you know, they're going to find matchups. They're going to find the best lineup to play every single day. And you're going to see guys like Kyle Isbell batting ninth, who frankly is a decent hitter. I think can be a decent hitter in major league baseball. Okay. You're going to see a lot of that kind of thing. And so I think this offense has the potential. I think they're going to go over and be better than 15th in run scored per game, mostly because of the depth of the lineup. Pitching staff, that's a different question. Uh, Mike, over or under 15th in Major League Baseball in runs allowed per game? Again, over 15th means better than 15th in runs allowed per game. I've also said this. I think they're going to be still in the bottom half, so I got to stick with what I'm doing. I got to go under here. The depth of the rotation thing is now just so bad. And, you know, it's going to, and, you know, even if, Teams that aren't in contention in the second half usually don't expect them to do very well if they've shut down guys that might be possibly hurt, traded away valuable pieces, and so that can get them too. So in the second half of the year, and they may be Drew Parrish may be starting regularly in the second half of the year. Mike Myers might be starting regularly in the second half of the year. So yeah, I'm going under. I'm optimistic, but I'm not crazy, and so <laughs> I'm going under <laughs> as well. Uh, I'm just because. I mean, let's say they make it to to 20th or 18th, that would still be a tremendous jump up in, you know, for this pitching staff. And so now this is for pitching and defense. One of the things I think will help them move up is I think their defense will be better this year. Mm, now, how much better about that? How much better is the question? I think it'll be better because I think Bobby Witt Jr. will be better. I think, you know, I think they're going to do some things to make sure that some guys are playing defensively who need to be, but Hunter Dozier is not going to be better. You know, like, Fran Mel Reyes is going to be out there some. Well, sometimes, but again, Vinny Pasquantino is looking to get a lot of time at first, and he's not. I think bad he's okay. There, I think he's okay he's at not, first base. You know. uh, the thing that concerns me most is that MJ Melendez is going to get serious time catching. That's the thing that gets me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think they're going under uh, in runs allowed per game, so we might see some offensive games this uh, this this year. Win total, Mike. Over under 70 wins. Now, most, Vegas has most of the over under set in the high 60s for the Royals. I've seen some in the low 70s. So we're going to go just 70. Mike, over under 70 wins for the Royals this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go slightly over. And I think it's mostly based on the fact that they aren't going to walk as many guys. They're going to take, I, I think their offense is going to take a step forward just because of, like we mentioned, the depth and those young guys progressing a little bit. But I think not walking guys is going to be huge for them. And I think if they can do that and get somewhere close to that three uh, strikeout to walk ratio, then I think we're going to see some, some real progress. I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs. I don't think they're going to be contending for a world series or anything like that. But uh, I think, I do think they make it over 70 wins. So give us your record prediction then for this year. I'm going 72 and 90, baby 72 and 90, which I will be somewhat happy with. That is a what? Seven game improvement. Yeah. Seven game improvement from last year. Yeah. I will take that step forward as we continue to try to revamp our starting rotation. I'm going over for the 70 wins as well. I would bet it myself if I lived in a state that allowed such things. Wink. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I'm going over because of all the reasons that you said, I think mostly the coaching staff, call it broadly, the coaching staff is why they're going to win more games this year because the personnel is basically all the same. Uh, but this coaching staff will deploy them better. 
The coaching staff has already improved a significant number of pitches for these pitchers. They've already improved the command for some of these pitchers. I think because of the coaching staff, you will see a big jump in wins this year, frankly. And so my record prediction is 74 and 88. I think that's a reasonable expectation. I think that that would be a market improvement and we could elicit some optimism from fans that 2024 might be a decent year for the Kansas City Royals. The Royals play three more meaningless games. We're recording on Sunday at noon, so they'll have one today against the Cubs and then another two against the Rangers. The today Today's game is really more of a triple-A. It's more of an Omaha Storm Chasers versus the Cubs uh, than anything, as most of the Major League guys are in Arlington for a two-game exhibition against the Rangers. That's not Cactus League, technically. Technically, the Cactus League ends today. Uh, anyway, that's all before the Royals open their season March 30th against division rival Minnesota Twins at home. Opening day, March 30th. Mike, tell us about the Minnesota Twins, the team I'm pretty sure stole their name from us. They stole that whole idea yeah, from us. So. For sure. We were the first of those. Mm-hmm. Of We were the first brothers to be twins ever. ever. And ever. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, they took it from us. No, the Twins are, are looking to have a pretty good team again this year. Uh, they have Pablo Lopez, coming, a uh, 27-year-old right-handed pitcher out of Venezuela, going against Zach Granke in that opening game. He's had a couple, three now, Really good years with Miami, and then he got traded to the Twins. So he's he's a good pitcher. Fastball, changeup, curveball, cutter, just looks like a heck of a guy. 375 in 180 innings pitch, which is kind of like the standard now. 200 innings doesn't really happen anymore. Killer changeup, you know, he's, he's a great pitcher. And then in the second game, it doesn't get any easier as uh, Lyles will go against Sonny Gray. We all, we've, we've seen Sonny Gray a lot. He's still very good when he's healthy hammer of a curveball on that guy and uh, opponents hitting just 193 against that curveball. So going to be tough. And then of course the, the third guy they got going is pretty good too. That'll uh, be Keller against Joe Ryan, 26 year old righty out of Cal state Stanislaus, which I did not know existed. <laughs> I didn't either until I read it on his thing. I'm like, what is a Stanislaus? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but the word on him is that he's added a very good split finger. He was already pretty good before that three, five, five ERA in 147 innings pitched last year. So it's going to be a tough opening series. We need some good, consistent starting pitching from Granky, Lyles, and Keller to compete in that uh, group. And didn't, uh, what's his name, end up back with the Twins? Yes, I think so. Uh, George. Uh, Carlos Correa. With all the stuff with the mess. Carlos Correa, that's what I meant. Um, with all the stuff that went down with the uh, Mets and all that craziness. Or no, the Giants. Giants and Failed physical Mets, the right? Giants. It was well, both of them, remember. I thought. Uh, was yeah, it? Yeah, let me. Then, yeah, he's with the twins. The twins end up. Twins end up getting a yeah, steal. Yeah, yeah, uh, back, with back, Carlos back Correa. with the twins. Yeah. So. And Byron Buxton still. Byron Buxton so. still there if he's if, you know if he's if he's healthy ever. Uh, they have yeah. a team like they're not they're going to compete with the uh, with the Guardians for the Central this year. So let's hopefully we can we can get off to a good start. Granky dealing, Lyles dealing, Keller dealing, and let's take a look at what this new look Kansas City Royals can be. I'm really really excited. We'll end this week's episode like we end every episode with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we talk about something that's interesting to us outside the world of baseball. Mike, you I watched you type yours in today, and I thought, my lord, this guy is boring. <laughs> uh, so let the audience no, I put take, the audience to sleep with your Just A Bit Outside for this week. <laughs> I take pleasure in simple things, people. Uh-huh. I'm a simple person. Uh-huh. That's true. My, my Just A Bit Outside? Casseroles. And how much I love them. 
Okay. Whoa. Here's the thing. Why don't they put casseroles on menus at restaurants? They're awesome. Right? You have a breakfast casserole and tell me that that's not the greatest thing that ever happened to you. Okay. There, but I came up with like this new casserole. I say I came up with it. I'm sure there are other people doing it, but it's where I take like chicken and then I put uh, chicken Parmesan seasoning that you can buy at the grocery store. Just already made boom, boom, boom. And then I make macaroni and cheese. I put it in a casserole dish with the chicken. I mix it up with French's fried onions. Okay. Sprinkle this some Parmesan Midwestern cheese on top of it. shit. Where's it's, the mayonnaise, Mike? <laughs> I hate mayonnaise. I hate mayonnaise. Um, but it's so, so good. And then when it comes out, Karen. when it comes out, you put like a little uh, sweet baby Ray's sweet and spicy barbecue sauce on it. And it is so good. <laughs> I'm actually going to go have some for lunch as soon as we're done because I had some left. Oh my God. There's but mac and cheese. There's barbecue sauce. Man. There's casseroles. This is the most Midwestern so thing you've ever said. Good. Why don't we have them in more places? Okay. Make casseroles, eat them. If you are listening to this and you have a really good one that I need to try, Put it in the comments section on the YouTube page or just send it to Mark on Twitter and we will I will look at it and try and make it. OK, so my casserole army show out. OK, <laughs> the casserole crew and we're out there. We won't be silenced by you uptight. Food has to be separated people. OK, <laughs> and you know, okay. you're one of them. I am. I like my food separated, honestly. Uh, but anyway, uh, I'm talking about something that's, I don't know, less optimistic, but should scare the crap out of people. It should make people mad is what it should do. It made the mad, maybe mad. So for a long time, if you ever heard me talk about this, I, I like to state that insurance is a scam. I think health insurance, especially, but also car insurance, uh, health insurance particularly is a scam, right? Because in my mind, if you get to set your prices based entirely on whether or not you get a profit for the next year, it's a scam. If it's like, oh, we lost a little bit of money paying out claims this year. So what we're going to do is we're just going to raise it. There's no way for them to lose money as a business. And so I think it's a scam, right? There are lots of ways it's a scam. Another one is that, and I'll talk about it right now, they can deny claims for no reason at all, right? And so there was a story that came out in ProPublica this week. If you don't know what ProPublica is, it's a publication that is awesome and you should read it. It's like a... Their business model is it's all donations. So they, they they run entirely on donations, but they do amazing investigative journalism. ProPublica is great at it. And they just released a story yesterday. And the title of that story is How Cigna Saves Millions by Having Its Doctors Reject Claims Without Even Reading Them. Yes. If you are an insurance company, you have to have doctors on hand on your payroll who review claims to say whether or not they deserve to be paid right? Cigna, and I'm sure many other health insurance providers are doing this as well, has an algorithm search through those, uh, through those claims. The doctors never actually even open the files on them. They just, they just click. Yep. Accept the outcome of the algorithm and they, they reject claims for crazy stuff. It's almost like they automatically reject first claims, right? They were talking about how one doctor goes through 60,000 claims in a month. One doctor, 60,000, right? They rejected 300,000 claims in a month. A, a, a doctor averages 1.2 seconds per claim. 1.2 <laughs> seconds per claim. H how could you ever investigate a claim? 
actually learn about what's taking place and make a decision. You can't is the reason is the answer. And in the story, their executive, a former executive is like, Oh, we thought this fell into a legal gray area. It's like, how about an ethical area? Where does it (laughs) fall there? Right? Like insane, insane to me. You're out there. If you've, if you've interacted with healthcare at all, you've probably had claims rejected. You've probably had claims held up by health insurance companies because they're assholes trying to save money. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Get a chance, go out and read that story about how these health insurance providers are doing this. It is all a scam. Go to a country. This is why we're going to Southern Portugal, Mike. Go to a country <laughs> where healthcare is just free and they don't, they're using the fucking necessity of healthcare to gouge people out of money, right? Like, and not even providing the actual healthcare. If, if they're not paying claims, what the hell is insurance for? If they're not paying claims, why do we have insurance? Makes no sense to me. Hey, you're preaching to the choir here. I hate insurance companies too. Insurance companies and airlines. Get out of here. If you work for an insurance company, do better. Do better. Okay. Uh, Anyway, uh, that's all we have for this week's Royals Weekly. Next week's Royals Weekly will be, we'll have actual regular season baseball to talk about. Also, I did want to throw out there. I will be doing a live watch along. For opening day on YouTube, I think Mike's going to join me after he gets um, out of school. I don't have something. School. Oh, you don't have school. Never mind. Spring break. We're all, Woo. spring break. We're Mike and I are going to be doing a live watch along on YouTube on opening day. So subscribe to that YouTube channel. Come check us out. Hang out with us while we watch the game. We'll chat. We'll be what we'll do whatever. It'll be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, thank you for joining us. I'll see you for that live watch along on opening day. Until then, be good to each other. And let's go Royals. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.